Welcome to Cars on Call. I am Steve Jones, gastroenterologist, uh, automotive uh, journalist. I've got trauma surgeon Stefan Moran, an automotive connoisseur, consultant, and historian Adams Hudson. And we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk GR Corolla again. We're going to talk Land Cruiser. We're going to go through some car spotting. Adams is, is a really good car. Safety from our trauma surgeon's perspective. Thank you, Stefan. And then on to uh, best road trips we've done. Uh, that was recommended by a re or by a listener. Um, and then we're going to move on to this or that. So, uh, Stefan, why don't you kick us off? Because you're the one that we talked about a GR Corolla Marizzo uh, edition that went for seventy nine thousand. And I guess you saw one that was like they're giving it away, right? Right. So I, I'm on Bring a Trailer every day because I follow all the Cobra replicas and original prices and that's kind of like my thing and um but my open up bring a trailer it always shows me the auctions coming up and i saw another gr corolla come up and i was looking at this one and so yeah in the short span of a month here the price dropped from eighty thousand seventy nine thousand down to sixty seven thousand. so this one um think about that the guy who bought the last one spent 20 they said there'd be no more math so it's twelve thousand more but it's still interesting to me that these cars are going so so much more over sticker than that. Um, but, you know, it's like guys that have a ton of money. And Steve, well, you've got a friend who's got a lot of money. And you asked him one day, if I recall correctly, what's there between you and a billionaire? He said, well, for a billionaire, everything in life is free. So I think maybe some baller, basketball player or somebody said, decide, hey, I want this car. And they got a lot of millions and they buy it, you know, but. Um, I still think it's a lot of money for this car that is going to have collector value in the JDM market in probably 10, 15, 20 years. And they'll probably recoup their costs, but they have to park it, leave it alone for a long time. And to me, this is the kind of car that's just got to be enjoyed. Um, it, it will probably never be enjoyed at this price. Well, you know, you look at that car and I mean, it doesn't look like anything special. Forgive me for all those who are going to tell me, oh, you're not looking at the bulged out fender flares and the matte paint and all that stuff. And yeah, I, I kind of get it. You know, I mean, I see some of these, you know, the latest and greatest launch. And so the guy who spent 80 grand or whatever, 12 grand more than that one, he got to be the only one who had one for a whole two weeks or something. But, you know, I mean, it, it's it's a pretty hot piece. I mean, it's a three cylinder turbo 300 horsepower so 100 horsepower per cylinder that's not that's in that, that, that and it's one of 200 i mean but that's crazier i never thought about that 100 cylinder 100 horsepower per cylinder that's that's outrageous what's even more outrageous is it's about i mean it's it's uh so it's a 1.6 is that right yes 1.6 in line three yep so it's a hundred horsepower for per five hundred cc. It's unbelievable what that thing is putting out. But do you have to be the first on your block? And is it worth 70, 80 grand? I, I just can't get there. I mean, hats off to the people who think it's special enough to do it. So I guess time will tell. Here's the other thing kind of bugs me. It's a four-door. <laughs> yeah. We we talked about this, Stefan. You and I when it first was when when it was first introduced. And we concluded very uh, strenuously that 2,500 cars is not nearly enough for the United States. It's crazy how how few that is, and that's that's what's fueling it's supply and demand. It's an artificially low supply. Yeah, this is one of 200 of that original allotment that came. This is a special Maritzo edition. 
So, I mean, it's definitely a collector's car. It's going to be like the, you know, but, uh, hey, but just to show you that little air coming out of that marketplace that went from 79000 down to $67,000 in less than a month. All right. Here's a trivia question for you guys. Do you know what you guys know why it's called the Maritzo edition? What is Maritzo? I have no idea. Unless, I, unless it, is that a, I was going to look it up. Is that a cornered Suzuka? No, it's uh, when Akio Toyota was uh he started racing and his family didn't want him to race and he certainly didn't want to bring attention to himself so his alias when he would go racing was maritza ah. and uh and that's where the name comes from akio toyota now the chairman he used to be the ceo of toyota uh but as as a toyota ceo he should have said hey we got to send him uh, i would say fifteen thousand, maybe thirty thousand. there's yeah. 2500 come on hey well, I, i'm gonna I'm going to impress the ladies at the next cocktail party with that little tidbit. There. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the way, we, we talked about this last week and I'll say it again. How crazy is it that it's like, all right, should I get a $67,000 Corolla, even though it's a fast one, or should I save some money and buy a BMW i8? It, yeah, that, that, that's, that's a, a great this or that. I can't imagine even the, the most hardcore Toyota fans would, 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 pick it over that like given given that option and you know what happens next year if toyota does say hey you know i think we're going to make 2500 of those or five oh. whatever number they pick oops 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 there yeah. it goes uh, you know i've said this about a bunch of cars most notably the uh the subaru uh wrx sti and what happens is you get this car you pump it up you give it tons of power it's a real performance car but it has a twenty thousand dollar car interior yeah yeah you gotta you gotta live with it anyway i agree with fine it's four doors it's a corolla i mean 67 give me a break all right. Um, <laughs> uh, we have uh, been actually not alone, but we've been calling for the the return of the Land Cruiser, the last Land Cruiser. Uh, we all agree it just is really too big. It was this big thing. It was fine as a Lexus. I think it was too big to be Land Cruiser. And we thought when we talked about which cars should come back, uh, I know I, I mentioned the small Land Cruiser. It's coming back. It is uh, going to be on the uh, GX uh, Tacoma platform, the Lexus GX platform. And, um, and you kind of call that, Steve. I mean, if you said kind of come because it was too big, it was too bloated and it was too dang expensive. It was dang near a hundred grand, probably loaded up. It was over a hundred grand. And what did that, what did that pig weigh? I mean, Nine thousand <laughs> pounds. I mean, I, I don't know what it was, but it just got way, way, way too big. And you did say, yeah, it needs to be come back as a little bit more manageable size. Lo and behold, there it is. Now I, I don't know what they're going to do here because the, the other platform mate is uh, my one of my favorite off roaders, and Stefan uh, throws up in his mouth every time I say Forerunner, but. Uh, App and runner. <laughs> yeah. Stefan, this is like the same, it's the same platform as the forerunner. It's gonna look a little different. I mean, here here's the deal, man. Here's the deal for me is Toyota is starting supposedly clean slate. They're using this is once again a body on ladder frame construction. So in the picture here is below is the Lexus GX. The top, top the top is the only photo we have of the of the uh, land cruiser. Body on frame construction. 
Okay. Who is the pinnacle of automotive four wheeling right now? It's Range Rover. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're using a unitized yeah. body, aluminum. They made the switch and they're still every bit is off roadable. I think this is, I think, you know, Toyota is just kind of resting on their laurels. They crank these uh, body on frame SUVs out all the time. Their ratings are not going to be that great when it comes to crash as as, as much as a unitized body. It's going to have lower gas mileage because it's going to weigh a whole, hell of a lot more. They could have gone with aluminum unitized body. So, yeah, it, they're going to sell these things like gangbusters around the world. People are going to line up to buy them. But I'm a little disappointed that Toyota's big a company as they are didn't make the switch to a unitized body aluminum type space frame to bring down the weight make it more um you know better gas mileage and also that would also prepare it long term for ev conversion having more a new frame but nope they just stick to the old ladder on body on ladder frame and um but you know what doesn't matter what we think they're going to sell these things and you're going to see graduate 2024 on the back of this you know maybe lined up the high school parking lots I, I, Adams, I know you have something to say before you do. Let me just point out something about this uh, platform. Could you which is sense now... that? Could you sense the words like yeah. gathering in my <laughs> mouth? You were, <laughs> you were, you were definitely leaning you the, forward. <laughs> you had the look. So um, anyway, here's here's the thing that I find interesting about this particular platform. I completely agree with Stefan. It's like they did they didn't do anything. They just they just said, all right, we're going to update it slightly. I don't think the frame or anything, any of the components is really going to be significantly different. It's really more of a refresh, although the bodies are obviously totally different. They kept the Tacoma the same. They changed the GX Lexus dramatically. The GX, it's like they said, all right, we're going to have a Lexus that's like the Land Rover Defender because the GX, if you look at it, it's boxy and to me looks very off-roady. I think that's the Lexus version or the Toyota version of the, of the uh, Land Rover Defender. And then uh, the last one is going to, the last two are the Forerunner, which I think is going to be like the Tacoma, look kind of like what it does now. And then there's this Land Cruiser, which is a little bit of a mystery. Yeah, it's it, it slots in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, for such a storied nameplate, I mean, that, that nameplate is one of the longest. I mean, you know, 19, whatever, 58, when they first came out with it, and then they had the 200 series after that. But I mean, that's 60 plus years with with the land cruiser and then they say oh we're going to kill it you know i think we all should have seen that one coming they didn't really kill it they just sort of let it go to sleep for a little while and what they woke it up with exactly is just a reiteration of something you know ladder frame i mean come on it's not like toyota does not have the technology or the money to do something way the heck better um and it's going to be what steven what what did we see about 65 60 to 65000 for the new land cruiser is that speculation Roughly. That's a speculation, which, by the way, is a lot cheaper than the one they just put on hiatus. That was up around 80 grand. So it's going to be cheaper. Uh, I, again, I, it begs the question, uh, before it made sense to have a six-cylinder, small, relatively small forerunner, and then an eight-cylinder big Land Cruiser. At least they're different. I, you know, They probably should have yeah. flopped the names, but whatever. Um, but now they're going to make the Land Cruiser a lot like the Forerunner. It doesn't seem to make sense. Not a lot of space in that area. Yeah, and I and I'm I'm, I'm buying in on uh, what Stefan said about about uh, about about Rover's job of doing a, a unibody and making a very very good vehicle out of it. And you know, I think rugged is mostly the 
image. I don't think people want to buy what is really rugged, which is things that we used to say rides like a truck. And so I think this could, this car, this, the new land cruiser is going to give up some riding points and some refinement points just to say, Hey, but it's also rugged. I think rugged is maybe a negative in this regard. Yeah. It's a little weird. They, they kind of, uh, they've got this, the three same platform mates that essentially have the same job. I mean, the Forerunner, the Land Cruiser, and the Lexus GX now are essentially the same vehicle. And I think they're they're all going to be shooting for the same customers. I guess a little bit of a nicer experience uh, if you buy the Lexus. But otherwise, the three of them are very similar. I think two similar is my two cents. Yeah, yep, I agree. agreed. All right. So car spotting, Adams. Uh, I love this week's car spotting. I love it. That's all I can say. And And, and let's get to it. Well, it is the uh, a, a, a 230, 250, 280 SL that came out in like 65 or 66 uh, as the 230, a uh, little inline six uh, from Mercedes, a beautiful Paul Brock, B-R-A-C-Q, I believe is how that's uh, spelled, uh, French designer, as one might guess, and what people call the Pagoda Roof cars. And you wonder where in the heck did they get that name with the Pagoda Roof? And if you look at the way that, well, there it is. There, there's there a picture. Is. That's the front on shot of the hard top of a Mercedes SL <laughs> right there. There you go. It's because it, 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 it dips down in the middle, that hard top. If you, if you caught, caught a view of that and it's very attractive and very different. Yeah. You can see it sort of dips down there. It's almost like, um, sort of like the inverse of a, of a, of a gurney bubble, you know, it goes lower right over your head. Um, but but you just look how minimalist this design is. It's just got a little subtle tuck and a little subtle bump here right below the B pillar there. It's got very low adornment on the front, very simplistic bumpers. Uh, that would be the Euro model with the Euro headlights. And Mercedes-Benz, if you're tuned in, as we know you are, because we know you're listening, <laughs> yeah. if, if, you, if you look at the way that emblem in the front, which is pretty pretty prominent, that is how you sort of play it down a little bit. The current AMG GT, which may be the most unimaginative car name ever, with the tremendous uh, Mercedes TriStar, it's just way, way, way too big. But this was just such a dang good looking car. And you can see that's a pre-68 model, no headrests on that. And then later they had the 250 uh, SL, maybe a 67, 68, that was kind of short-lived. And then post that was the 280 SL. And those bring about in line of ascending values, the later ones bringing a little bit more. And I don't know, what do you guys think? I mean, that, that was sort of a throwback car and a very elegant sort of gentleman sports car. Here's what I love about that car is if you look at it, First of all, it's a convertible underneath there that came with a hard top, which is really cool. And I love the tiny little A pillar, the little skinny B pillar, the little skinny C pillar. So that top is like floating on top. I mean, safety wise is not the best, but it is just, it has a minimalist, like you said, elegance to it. And I just love the fine lines, you know, in our new cars for safety rollover, our A pillars are just gigantic. But I see delicate little A and B C pillars on this car. And I think this is of the all the SLs. This is my favorite of the series. It's 230 280 SL. They're just tight felt. I always felt like the tires were a little too big. It needs to be lowered by an inch or two. 
Um, it looks like it's a little bit up in the air. But aside from that, to me, this is just this is the epitome of the Mercedes two-door SL. And I love this. Absolutely. And a pagoda roof would be to me, a friend of mine has one. He's got a 280 SL pagoda. And I absolutely just I loved it. And this is his favorite car that he has of all his of his collection. So um I I, I love it. I'm I'm right with you. Yeah, it's not my favorite, but I completely agree, Stefan. It is beautiful. It also mirrors or reflects the times. Uh, it's a very kind of mid-late 60s car. Think of Mad Men and that era. Uh, I think it works. Uh, I'll tell you this, and this is, Adams, I'm dying to know what you think about this. Uh, I don't know what Mercedes was doing because they had the 300 SL, which was one of the greatest cars you could buy at the time. Everyone knew it was absolutely the pinnacle. And then they followed that with inexplicably the 190 SL four cylinder it was pretty cheap uh it, I don't think it'll ever be a collector it just it has nothing and then it's like they're like well that was a big mistake hello I don't know why they did the 190 SL and then they corrected it with the Pagoda uh SL which made a lot of sense and it kind of led the way to go to six cylinders and then of course the R107 the one that was out for 20 years that was, uh, they had six cylinder, but really the bulk of them were V8s. Correct. And yeah, it's interesting because they sort of slot between what, yeah, the 300 SL is just like a masterpiece, but it was just, the 190 was just this frumpy, incredibly slow vehicle. I mean, even in, in its day, we're not just talking about 1950s or 1960s slow. It was slow in its day. And, you know, decent looking enough, but you can just sort of tell that one was just sort of like not not up to par. And they bring astounding dollars because of the what the 300 SL brings uh, by comparison. But the 280 SL slots right in between this kind of, I don't know, school marmy looking sort of version of a sports car that wouldn't get out of its own way. I mean, it, you know, MGA would have out dragged this car. Yeah. And then you've got the, the later one, the 107 Steve mentioned, but man, the the pagoda roofed cars are just really, really beautiful. I've had a couple of them. Do we have time for a quick story on a 280SL ownership? Oh, yeah. I want to hear oh, it. Yeah. Super quick. Uh, I used to, um, when I was driving to work back many years ago, I passed by this little row of shops, and one of them was an insurance agency, and I saw this bright red 280SL sitting out there, and it it was new to me. I went on the same exact route every single day, and I thought, hey, I hadn't seen that car. I'll need to stop in if I ever have 10 minutes, you know, just meet the guy. And I pull over probably the second or third third day that I'd seen it, and the guy was getting out of it. And I just said, hey, you know, this beautiful car, you know, uh, how long have you owned? He tells me a little bit about it. He goes, well, he goes, I started bringing it to work because I'm going to be taking photos of it in order to sell it. And wow, yeah, exactly, exactly that color, signal red, U.S. headlights, exactly that like is the car. And my, th this one had a parchment interior. And I said, well, what would you be asking for? He said, well, I've got a business venture coming up. And uh, I'm going to need 10 grand for it. I mean, I couldn't shake his hand fast enough. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, Mr. Poker face here. I said, I'll take it, you know. And he said, yeah, you want to drive it? And I said, well, I mean, you drove it here. I'm sure it drives pretty good. And yeah, it did. You know, it started and ran and drove. But after I drove it, a little, I paid, paid the guy. And after I drove it, it got to running a little bit worse, idling a little bit worse. It started kind of creeping up on the temp gauge. So I took it to my favorite um, uh, independent shop. Love those guys. They're no longer there. But I took it in and I said, hey, it, you know, it's doing these things. Let me know. Well, he said, well, the first thing we're going to do is do a compression check. You know, it's an older car. 
he calls me up and said, yeah, we pulled a, pulled a spark plug out of it and went to start it in the shop. And it shot water out of the spark plug. <laughs> Just hot Houston, water. Houston, we've got a problem. Yeah, yeah we have a little pra- Could be a head gasket issue. And uh, I mean, hopefully, had, hopefully it was just a head gasket. Yeah, yeah hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, you're you're right. And right. and that's what it ended up being. They pulled the head, had the head, you know, sent off and milled, you know, back some other machine shop. And they did it. And that thing ran fantastically. Yeah. You know, typical German engineering, you know, because that was even an old, an old car, even at that time. And it ran terrific. And I put it on eBay, it's the first car I ever sold on eBay back when eBay was a little bit more respectable than it is. Um, it wasn't to bring a trailer of its day, but it, you know, it, it set new parameters for how to get rid of a car. And eBay was like a legitimate place to do it and sold it to a guy on the West Coast who bought it for his wife for Valentine's. No, nice. Yeah. How much did he pay? A bit more than I had in it, but not a whole lot more. It wasn't enough to retire on. I'm gonna say somewhere in the mid in the mid teens, somewhere Adams, there. Adams, what do they go for now? I know it's a lot. It's certainly six figures, like one one twenty ish. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think I, I I think you're right. I think you can get a get a, a fairly you know like a terrible like a number four car sub hundred, but a nice car is going to cost you a hundred and a quarter. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's anyway, the two ADSL story. Uh, you know, it's funny. Um. I, I I said it's not my favorite SL, uh, but every time I look at one, uh, I have to say, Stefan, you got a point. It really is so beautiful, and I think it, <laughs> yeah, I think it's prettier than my my R107 favorite. Uh, I, it's a it's a very beautiful car. It's really aged very very well. I think it's only going to get better. Well, it's the right great. size. Okay. Yeah, it's the yeah, right I'm, size for a two door yeah. coupe convertible. It's just. It's you know the new the older the 450 SLs which I do love the older ones I, I thought they were cool but there was a lot more chrome and ornate and that 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 280 the 230 250 280 there's a delicateness about the design almost a feminine quality it's just it looks lightweight it looks well designed it looks it it just it has all the looks and it's I just think they're spectacular cars. Steph, I love it that you said the, the the size. And of course, SL stands for sport light. And that's what Mercedes was trying to do. And that size just fits perfectly because there's still enough interior room to like get around in and throw a piece of luggage yes. right behind the seats, not in the trunk. But what they say, and I don't know, Steve, you know a ton more about Mercedes. And this, I, this is what I'd heard is that that inline six was um, was reverse engineered by Datsun to become the motor in the 240Z. No idea. Uh, it doesn't surprise me, but uh, I had no idea. Wow, that's um, the one. Yeah, I think you know the when I, especially when you look at one of these in gray, and I, I I agree, it's it's got a little bit of a feminine quality to it, but it's the right size. It's beautiful, perfect. It looks better with hubcaps, uh, body colored hubcaps, than with wheels. Number one, and number two, when I say reflects the era, I imagine somebody like uh, an advertiser. Or, you know, one of the Mad Men guys, uh, uh, Draper, whatever his name is. Anyway, Dan, Dan Draper. Don Draper. Don, Don Draper. Okay. Uh, I can see his wife driving it. I can see him driving it. Uh, again, thin tie, charcoal suit, uh, and short hair. Uh, I think the R107 is both, uh, you know, the one that came after that, was both 70s Elvis Presley and Gordon Gecko, um, which neither yeah. one is... 
<laughs> either one is you wouldn't call either one tasteful or elegant. Yeah. Uh, but but this one was. It was it was those guys plus it was um every uh dentist gone wrong turned into a criminal on Colombo. <laughs> <You're, laughs> yeah. They all drove SLs. They were sort of the they had done well, but then they went bad. <laughs> Speaking of going bad, there goes my video. Yeah. So anyway, anyway. I thought you were just about to start bragging about your three-bladed ceiling fan. <laughs> yeah. Pays homage to the Viper wheel. Yeah. So um, we'll move on from that. Uh, I think we've we've we said a lot, but I, you know the yeah. fact that we we kept talking about it is a reflection of how much we like it. We we all admire that that car. It's beautiful. So it just uh, looks so, right. It's it's just per, you can't beat design that's done right. It's an I, iconic I, design. It's balanced. It's just, it's aesthetically pleasing to everybody. I think the years will be much kinder to the Bacoda SL than they will to the GR Corolla. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. So on to safety, Stefan, what do you have for us this week? All right. So, uh, so listeners, so, in, you know, you wonder why different cars have different insurance rates. Well, it's because the insurance companies are massive consumers of data. So they look at all the databases, crashes, death, fatalities, injuries, any numbers they can get a hold of. It's kind of like deciding if they're going to insure, insure a 50-year-old man for a 25-year life-term policy if he's a smoker, drinker, jumps out of parachutes. Same thing with cars. So Insurify Insurance um, looked at 4.6 million automobile insurance applications. And they determined which cars were the most likely to be involved in an accident or an at-fault accident. And they ranked them number one through 10. I think you guys are very surprised for this. So this is this is up through today's current data, 2023. They looked at speeding tickets, everything. And um, what they found, interestingly, that 7.6% of U.S. drivers are involved in at least one at-fault accident in the prior seven years. But for drivers, car for drivers of cars on this list, the average fault accident rate is ten point five percent, which means the drivers are one point four times more likely to have fault at accident on record. All right, so there's going to be two. I, there's no way you're going to guess. Survey says number one, but we're going to start at the back. You're going to start to see a trend here. Uh, so number ten on the survey is the Subaru Impreza. Number nine is the Kia Nero, which I have no idea oh, what the hell that is. What is it? I, I think if they're driving a Kia, a Kia Nero, they want to roll it. Number eight is <laughs> a, a Chevy Silverado a, a LD. Chevy. Yeah. Number seven, Subaru XV Crosstech. Number six, Subaru WRX. How about that? Three top 10. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. <laughs> I just think it's because they're all a bunch of dope heads out there smoking reefer, driving these cars out West. That's the only thing I can imagine is that Subaru kind of fits that, you know, alternate yeah. hippie lifestyle. Yeah. What, what uh, I'm seeing in common in all these is very young drivers. Yeah. Yep. Except, yeah, but you're not going to hold on, hold on to that thought. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the uh, Toyota GR86, the Hyundai Veloster N, of course, young okay, driver. Yeah, yeah. 
Number three, Chevy Volt. Whoa. Yeah, whoa what? on that one. I mean, and then number two is a Scion IA, but number one on the survey. Okay, I'm going to get German, German. GTI? Right. The Audi S4. God. No. Yes. I would have I would have lost every dollar bet. I, I, I couldn't have gotten any in the top 10 because what I'm thinking, and I'm sure it all has to do with the production numbers, every time I'm passed by someone out of their mind on the interstate, including today, it is some sort of Hemi-powered Dodge product. Yeah, right. But I'm sure it's based on the hundreds of thousands that are out there that I see the one idiot and he represents a smaller sampling. But that's the car commonly, I think that guy is going to be on fire and upside down the next time I see him. But I wouldn't <laughs> pick any of these cars. I would have I picked uh, the Kia Soul and I would have picked the Honda Civic. Because those are young driver vehicles. Yeah, but the S4, uh, so accident fault rate of 11.7%. It's a 350 horsepower car. Um, they got the most speeding tickets. They got an accident rate 54% higher than national average. <laughs> and, you know, see, well, you always talk about a dentist driving an S4 or, or an accountant. I don't know. I think we need yeah. to... I think it's a little different. I don't believe. I don't believe it. I, I'm I'm skeptical of the the of the data. I, it, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Don't confuse me with the numbers. I've already made up my mind. Yes. <laughs> don't let the facts screw this up. Yes. Entrenched beliefs are rarely altered by exposure to fact. Yeah. I'm not okay. changing my belief. Okay. Look, uh, uh, all of all of us see the little video clips and the YouTube guy who's leaving the cars and coffee. We see some guy who just got his uh, Corvette supercharged and he or makes a Mustang. Mustang or a Mustang. It's it's Mustangs and it's Corvettes or it's some hopped up truck that has no rear wheel traction. And that's what I have never seen one of those videos where mm -hmm. a guy in a in a, a a, a Subaru uh, all track or whatever it was, whatever the three Subarus are that are apparently wrecking all the time. I've never seen a video of one of those slapping a telephone pole. Yeah, but that's, uh, that's, that was uh, how many, how many records did I say? They looked at, they looked something crazy. Like um, 4.6 million automobile yeah. insurance applications were reviewed for this study. And so your, your theory, it's, it, it's the stoner who cannot make it home on the winding uh, Rocky Mountain Pass who's got to eat that pizza he just picked up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and they, they spilled the Doritos in his lap. Oh. Yeah, the, first, the first car that I read, and this was probably five, six, seven years ago, the first car that I read about where it went a full year in the United States where not a single person died in that car. First time I read an article about that was it, the only car that was that was true for that year was the Audi A4. And of course, that's the basis for the S4. And, and right. again, you, you've got a pretty older demographic that is that is buying the S4. Uh, boy, I'm very surprised. Well, there you go. You know, and, and, and before we move on, you know, I, I remember a few years ago, I, I think I may have told you guys this, and I'll make this super quick. I got a call from uh, Haggerty and said, hey, Mr. Hudson, we're so sorry. Um, uh, you're going to be getting an email today, but I did want to talk to you first that we've canceled your insurance on the Ford GT. No. And they dropped me like anything. And it wasn't because I said, what did I do? They said, you didn't do it. Uh, but we have the highest um, uh, number of uh I, I don't remember the term for, for, for the big, big injury and fatality per insured 
on the Ford GT and they they dropped it. Yeah, we talked a story about a long time ago about a guy that bought it crashing his neighborhood. Um, yeah, I mean, I've driven the Ford GT and you owned one, Adams. I mean, it's like a Viper. It's raw. It's analog. It's nasty. It will bite you um, and you've got to respect it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a surprising list. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Subarus didn't, you know, I, I do live out West and there's a lot of Subarus around. And, uh, uh, you know, the Crosstrek especially, it is uh, an 18-year-old uh, girl, usually, uh, 18, 20, something like that. It's young, younger drivers. Uh, the Impreza tends to be older drivers, although uh, my son Peter crashed uh, an Impreza uh, and it was 100% his fault. He just hydroplaned and rolled it. Uh, thankful he was uninjured. But, um, you know, these kinds of, you know, the, the, the kinds of cars that, that are driven by um, younger drivers, um, you know, just uh, tend to crash. I think what happens with like a Ford GT or a Viper is that it's people like us who are respectable, responsible people, but we've never encountered that kind of power and lack of um, traction control or whatever. Yep, yep. So clear the roads if you see a Subaru coming at you with the young driver. <laughs> yeah. Just pull off. Especially if he's carrying a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that was great. Uh, that's very interesting. Um, so <clears throat> let's uh, move on to, you know, the Audi that I would have thought, uh, the RS6 wagon. Hey, I'm going to say something really quick. You guys can respond to it. We're a little bit ahead, ahead of time. So I had uh, a drink with a friend who's a big car guy and he's a BMW guy. This is just two days ago. And he told me that he heard from a dealer in uh, out here in West uh, Seattle or LA or something. He heard from this dealer that there is going to be a BMW M5 Touring, which is the station wagon for sale in the US. So it's going to be four wheel drive and a direct competitor to the Audi RS6. That's cool. Finally. I mean, BMW's never done that in the U.S., right? They've sold the M5 wagon in Europe. Well, finally. I mean, hopefully they can sell more than six of them. I'd love to see one. I just, yeah. I love it. The touring, shooting, shooting brake, station wagon, all the iterations. I just think, I just love those things. They're so cool. I saw an RS6 today and it was just beautiful. And I stared at it and uh, I just, and every time I see, for example, the, uh, the E63 S station wagon that uh, Mercedes has um, absolutely spectacular. Love that. So yeah, it makes sense for BMW to do it. Don't sell them. So I have not read that on it. It's not been on Jalopnik or the truth about cars or motor trend or anything. So it's just from a dealer who told a good customer, I guess a secret that nobody knows. So, all you right. You're first, folks. Yeah. <laughs> we know we know Mercedes listens. Maybe BMW is going to start yeah. listening. Well, and to Toyota, <laughs> they weren't, they had no plans for the Land Cruiser until they heard you talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so actually, this was, this is a recommendation from, from uh, a listener and guest, Jeff Bank, uh, regular, regular listener, regular guest. And he said, Hey, why don't you guys talk about your, your best, uh road trips so uh we did we we wrote them down and uh let's see uh adam let's start with you go go through your i'm sure it's going to be good because you've done a lot of road trips well you know i i, I hope it's good and, and and i have done it done a few I, I have many times sort of used the excuse of hey i would like to go to whatever or i would like to get a certain type of car 
And Marsha and I would fly there to get that car and then drive it home, drive the one way home. You know, I've did, done it with mid-year Corvette, uh, from coming back from Chicago, or 442, coming back from LA, um, just various other cars at different times. And anyway, this one particular one sort of did a reverse of that in a way. Uh, my son was getting married. This is in uh, 2018, in the summer of 2018. And he said, well, daddy, because I want you to be in charge of the getaway car. And I, you know, of course, that's like, yay, <laughs> this is like an excuse to get something that would be, you know, fun for his getaway car, you know, just something fun for him to drive from his, his wedding night. And he was getting married. Uh, the, he and both his, his then fiance, now wife, they lived in New York city at the time. Since his last name's Hudson, he wanted to get married in the Hudson, Hudson river Valley. You know, they've got those castles up there that were built during the, the roaring teens and twenties. And, uh, at Lindhurst castle, if you want to look that up, or I think we may have a photo of it. I'm not sure. But that's where he wanted to get married. Check it out. Steph, quick on the draw there, man. That's Lindhurst Castle. And um, it's got a fascinating history I won't go into. But that's where they got married. And he was going to be. And this, yeah, you've got that little. I I ended up drawing it for his wedding, too. Basically, that same photo. I ended up drawing it for him uh, to give his wedding present. And I embedded all kind of names and scripture verses. And everybody was in their wedding. Their names were embedded in that drawing. Nonetheless, I thought, well, you know, it's going to be a big night for him. Um, He can drive a manual shift car, but it would be, you know, it'd be sort of nervous. There'd be a lot of people around taking photos. So I thought, well, I got to get some kind of fun automatic. And I eventually landed on what became my first PDK car. I got a 997 GTS. You have to get white. Mm. You got to get white. And it was a PDK. And I had it, you know, sent sent to me first because I was going to have it a couple of months beforehand. Then I was going to send it up to New York for his getaway car. And I almost immediately, there it is. Yeah, beautiful. I, I set about sort of converting it to a sport classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did the Misha tail on it. I, those are Fuchs wheels. You can't really tell from that photo, but it's got the the, the Fuchs wheels, sort of like the sport classic. And I had my lower rockers painted white, blah, blah. I had fun sort of playing with that car. And then I sent it up to New York. He got married. He drove it away from the wedding, you know, got a bunch of pictures and stuff like that. And then I'm making this story too long. But anyway, Marsha and I uh, ended up driving it back from there all the way back to Alabama. And you have to stop through Tale of the Dragon. You know, we went on the Blue Ridge Highway for... I don't remember that road is a long, long road. The Blue Ridge Parkway is, I presume, hundreds of miles. It was so much fun. We both got to drive it, you know, because PDK, she she played with it. I played with it and just really got to sort of know that car on those roads. And it was a blast. That was a big memory trip. Let me just uh, say very quickly that um, my getaway at my wedding was a I got married in 1990s. It was a brand new, obviously Gen One Mazda Miata that Elisa's uh, uncle had, and that was my getaway car. So we drove from the wedding to the the church. Um, I guess all of us uh, we remember the days way, way, way back when when people would get married in a church. Anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> it doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> so that was my getaway car, and it also reminds me of a quick uh, story, father son, because I know it was your son that get married. Uh, you guys may have heard about this, but um, a guy gets up, um, 
he's about to be married and he gets a, is a text very early in the morning from his father saying, this is going to be a wonderful, wonderful day. You'll look back at this day and never forget it. And uh, he texted back, dad, I don't get married till tomorrow. And the father said, I know. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's funny. So step on. All right, my turn. <laughs> yeah, sure. Unless, unless have a, what was your what was your getaway car, Stefan? I my dad had a uh, a Chrysler LeBaron, I think the a newer one, the four door. I can't remember. It was one of the K cars, and um, I did not want my car getting trashed because we were leaving on the honeymoon. But uh, had you, not, have you given him for that? <laughs> it was uh, it was either that or riding his. He had a Renault LeCar at the time, um, but uh, we we were Ellen and I were both poor. Uh, graduate students at the time and it was a no frills wedding we had a good time but it uh i, I would have liked a really cool getaway car but um it didn't just did not happen but i'm gonna tell you I, and this was on my order your adams or, well but I, I didn't mean to interrupt but i want to hear adam's getaway car too but if but if it it can wait it, it was I'm, I'm surprised we met it out of the parking lot. It was a Jaguar XJ6. Oh, yeah. <laughs> six, or 12, six or 12 cylinder. It was a six. six okay. That's why that's you made nice. it out of the lot. Yeah. 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 All right. So I'm going to go back. You know, I've, this, I'm this. i going to go back road trip story. My favorite road trip. Steve is going to tell that one. But this is this was on my origin story and um, on our first podcast. But, you know, having grown up in America, um, I was a passenger on this road trip so we um i was 13 flew over to france stayed with uh gratz's the gratz millers front dear family friends in paris for four generations now that are friends and my mother dropped me off in paris and i jumped in the back seat of this with claude gratz claude was a driver he's a car collector he's got a huge collection uh, he's since passed but a wonderful collection and we sat um, he Carol was his daughter. We sat in the back seat of a Quattro Porto Maserati, and we went from Paris to Cannes, France. And uh, he took driving very seriously. He had leather driving gloves on. We were not allowed to speak. There was no music. Oh, he smoked, wow! He smoked Dunhills the whole time with the window cracked. And you know, coming out of America, where we did maybe 55, 60, 65 at the most, and giant, we had a we had a pony, a wide, uh, a wide track Pontiac at the time. I mean, this was the sexiest, coolest car I had seen as a kid ever. They just weren't even worn in America. And I just sat in the back seat and remember we were in the left lane the whole way, passing cars like they were standing still. And he just would flash the yellow headlights, and people would get out of the way. And I, I don't know what kind of time we made, but, you know, we only stopped to get gas to pee and and you couldn't eat in the car, or drink in the car. But it was it was a very memorable road trip. And I, that was my very first recollection of a road trip. And I just I, I've had I love this car. And this next picture uh, is one you can see me sitting in it. Steve and I were at Pebble Beach week a couple of years ago. This is a Gen two, a Gen three. Um, I rode in a Gen 1. This has got the square headlights. Nowhere near as cool as a Gen 1, but um, very cool car. And I've always had, I've always loved these cars since then. Well, you know, Steph, man, I sat there, my jaw dropped when that first picture go, if you can go back to that. There you go. Yeah, the Gen 1. Beautiful. 
Yeah, yeah, and and I I, I think is that a, that's a full body car. It's like it looks like a five thousand GT on the front, but man, I saw the four the two door handles on this side and thought, my God, that's an early Quattroport. And I don't remember, and you may is that the twin plug six or is that an early V eight like a four point seven V eight car? It was I think it was a six. Um, okay, I don't okay. recall. I think there were sixes. Yeah, I know some of them had the V eights. I don't know a lot of the history of the Quattro, but. Um... Well the, the well the later ones certainly did that 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 other car you showed certainly is a V8 but my gosh what now and and again my jaw dropped so tell me what age you were when you were in this car 13 13 okay. year old oh, boy man you were France. done for oh I was done for this was you were cool that car. was it you were <laughs> I mean no, you know the vacation got even better though we arrived in Cannes France went to the beach and they didn't wear tops at the beach. And I was like, oh, man, 13-year-old American boy. I was having. <laughs> Riding in the left lane in a Maserati and then going to a topless beach. That that sounds like a dream come true. Oh, then, then, then to finish it, the story, he also had a little Honda Monkey 50cc motorcycle. Remember those? Yeah. The wheels were about 12 inches a little, the tiny Honda 50cc that he cruised around in can, and I'd ride on the back of that with him. Which is, man, what a time, what a wonder, what a wonderful vacation and experience with with Claude. It was, it was something else. Wow. Yeah. So that's yeah, that would make you a car fan forever. Ever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. That that just kind of continued to um, fuel the fire of just loving automobiles and everything automotive. Yeah, it, it just it's a reminder of how good life can be uh, and how good automotive life can be. Um, some people will just know how to live and some people live better than others. And that what a guy Claude is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And his daughter carries on the tradition. She uh, we have her on the podcast sometime, Carol. She's, I think, a five or six time winner of the Rally to Princess in her 427 Corvette convertible. Um, oh, yeah, that she drives in France. So it's a great automotive family and she carries on the tradition the tradition so we we got it we got to get her as a guest we you will uh, she earned it totally yeah. totally so um my uh favorite road trip i'm not really a road trip guy um but uh stefan and i picked up my 992 uh porsche and uh drove it from atlanta where we picked it up uh, all the way to uh boise where i live and uh yeah that's me uh getting the the once around of the car. And this was a car uh, I always wanted to own. And I always wanted to buy a new one. Uh, I was born in 1963. The Porsche 911 was born in 1963. And uh, I went to the factory when I was 20. So that would have been 1983. And I, I made a vow I would never go back until I was picking up a car. And uh, that was a goal since I was very young, probably in my, probably around the same time as Stefan got that road trip to con so uh i had my plane ticket booked to go back in 2021 to pick up my car it would be april 2021 and i got an email from porsche saying it's canceled because of covid you can't pick up your car in europe so regrettably I had to pick up in atlanta but they do a really good job in atlanta and I, uh, they do the same thing in la so they give you once around then you get you get to race at the track uh they have a small track there you get to run around the track which was fun and then they um give you lunch uh i had wiener schnitzel of course and i was joined at lunch by um uh not just stefan but a good friend uh bob rupel who lives in atlanta he's a longtime friend also like stefan 
And then a guy named Frank Wiesman, who has been my contact uh, whenever I do, whenever I get a press car or have any information I need from Porsche, Frank Wiesman uh, works there. So we had lunch with him. Uh, and then we got on the road and um, Stefan and I split the driving. We did all kinds of fun things. I think probably the the highlight was the uh, the first night when we really hit the road uh, where we went to Nashville, but we also saw the Wellborn uh, Muscle Car Museum uh, had great barbecue. There's Stefan at the Wellborn, a great barbecue uh, in Kansas City. Uh, it was a road trip for the ages. And Stefan, <laughs> Stefan, you you love Nashville, Stefan. <laughs> Nashville is a blast. Man. It's like Bourbon Street with a little bit of culture, man. Uh, didn't smell like didn't smell like piss and vomit um yeah. but i i was totally impressed with national we had a great time we uh yeah we we really had a blast that's terrific steve you get you gotta maybe go back go back to that showroom shot and oh my god that's a great picture too we can hang we can hang there. that's a good that's a good one too tell the listeners viewers a little bit about this color because that's not just hey i just i'm getting a 911 i mean you spec the heck out of that thing yeah i spent a lot of time on the spec um as you might imagine uh i've been, I've been thinking about it for decades Wait, you mean so. you're analytical is that what you're saying <laughs> no i've been dreaming about it for so long and this was not a dream car it was a goal car so I spent a lot of time configuring it. Uh, so did Stefan. We went back and forth talking about it. Uh, but the color is called Oslo Blue. Uh, I just liked it. Uh, I saw it on Instagram a million times. And every time I saw it, I stopped and said, ooh, that looks good. And also as a historic color, it's actually dates back to the uh, very early 60s. And I know it was a 1963 color a couple of the years around that for the, the Porsche 356 Oslo blue was one of the factory colors. So I just liked it. I liked that it. it was, it dated back to my year of birth and, uh, and I just liked it. So um, it's a historic color. Yeah. That's terrific. You know, that would have been, uh, you know, it would have been great if you'd have been able to uh, pick it up in, in Stuttgart and do a little bit of driving over there, but you sure did land on your feet with the whole rest of the trip and readapting to do the Atlanta uh, Porsche experience. And uh I, I I don't know how many how many miles did you put on it during this this epic road trip? I don't know, Stefan, twenty five hundred something like that. Yeah, we wow. drove from Atlanta to Boise, and um, this next picture we followed a guy in this Charger. I put um, that picture in for you, Stefan. Yeah, the cha- I mean, I'm <laughs> sorry, Challenger. Challenger. Yeah, and um, I I really don't want to say, but I know that. I did two gas stops. We followed this guy and uh, I almost averaged three digits, average speed, including gas stops. Very close. Um, we followed this this challenger and he just, man, he was flying and uh, we went a little bit fast across the <laughs> West. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe, I think I took a little nap or something. I woke up and we're going like 110 and I'm like, whoa, look at that. And he can step on I'm, just fo- I'm following <laughs> the challenger. What yeah. happened to the break-in period? Oh, that was—it <laughs> was only eighteen minutes long. It was seven speed. It was turning low RPMs. No, so you talk about break-in period. Then we were following ways, and you would have died, Adams. We got off I seventy in Colorado, and we were on a road that they were redoing, and it was gravel. Steve-O uh, drove this car. He's like, "That's all right." Then we went to Chip Seal Road, and he's like, "You know." I'm, yeah, the chip the chip seal road, by the way, was uh, yeah the dirt road was a little uh, weird, but the chip seal was the interstate. It's the only time in my life I've ever seen chip seal on an interstate. Only time, and I happen to have this brand new car. 
and and and, and were there were there uh, chips of Oslo blue chipping away on either of these roads? Where I, I would have just been cringing. You're right. I would have driven a route. I've driven 300 miles out of my way to avoid that. Well, I, I tell you, you know, it's just a car, number one. Uh, and number two, I think the car should age. I actually didn't have any any chips and no stone marks, but um, I deliberately didn't get the ceramic coating or a bra or whatever the hell you use to protect the paint. I deliberately didn't do that. I feel like a car should age naturally. And um, honestly, at the end of the day, it is just a car. And I, I you know, I'm going to drive it. I'm going to eat food in it. And uh, I'll do everything but smoke Dunhills in it. <laughs> wow that's that's a pretty good story that's all right yeah so uh i think we have time for this or that uh adams and we introduced this segment last week i love it i absolutely love this it's pretty quick because you can decide pretty quickly but uh i know you got another one i want to do this often okay right, well I, let's, yeah. let's do it you want me just to, I'll just present the options. And yep. this week, we're, we're, yes. we're, we're adding because, because uh, one of us on here is a little ADD, or I just have a hard time making a decision. There you go. So let's say you're you're a guy who has finally done like 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 what, what Steve was saying. He sort of reached a, a goal or a pinnacle. And at one point, of course, a hundred grand used to be like, oh my gosh, you spent a hundred grand on a car. And now, of course, a lot of cars have sort of sort of gotten into that category. The average, yeah, the average price of a new vehicle purchase, Steve, oh, dropped a little bit, isn't it? 42,000 right now? 46. 46,000 is the average price yeah. of a new vehicle in this country. And you say, you say that, that dropped? Had it been a bit higher? During it was 47. Bit? It was 47 and 70, 46. Okay. okay. So, so you're talking, we're talking basically double the money of the average MRSAP, MRMSRP purchase in America right now, and so so in with, with that in mind, the, these are these are cars that are that are not out and out indulgences because as, as you'll see, they're they, they've all got some age on them. They're all probably pretty value protected. I mean, this is hardly an investment show, but it's not like it, unless uh, repairs just you know eat all your 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 money. These are cars that are pretty stable in their value, possibly appreciating, and one would hope appreciating, and then you can. Uh, you you can defend the purchase uh, to your wife or significant other to say, hey, well, you know, the money's there. It's in a car and I could transition out. So you can spend a hundred grand. It's not going to be your daily driver. It's going to be something that you've sort of like longed for. You've got space in your garage and you want to get a sports car. And that's about your, your, your figure. You would like it to be a little more modern because you do want it to have working brakes and cold AC. You want it to start when you go out there. So we're not talking about super vintagey cars. This pick here, of course, is the 360 Modena, uh, and and this is not the F1 transmission car. So you'd be looking at maybe a 99 to a 2001 ish somewhere in there uh, with the six speed. Um, and a lot of listeners are going to go, "Oh no, those are more than a uh, hundred grand." Well, this one you can see it was bid to, did not sell, but you know, plus or minus, right in there. And the the second one would be. A, we'll see if what what pops up, and I'll just describe whatever pops up. There it is, nine and three. So let's say you you want to be a little bit slightly more practical because you've got a little bit more interior space. Uh, this would be the last iteration of the air cool cars, ninety five to ninety eight. Uh, what they call the 993, but it's still a nine nine eleven. You cannot in this price range afford the S. 
The S's have already escalated, but the good news is it's still a 282 horsepower flat six. It's just got a little bit less sporting look to its front end and about two inches of width. Most people hardly notice, but there you can get you a, a classic 911. And the next one on the list, slightly hailing to a other version of practicality in the service area, an Acura NSX. And that particular one, you can see it's 110. That's the ask on that car. That's a post 98. So it's going to be the 3.2, 290 horse motor with the six speed. You can get these with an automatic boys and girls. You kind of don't want that car. And I'm sure all the Acura people are going to be, be, be saying something nasty about me, but it's a lesser powered car. It's got different cams in it. It's You would be next to impossible to convert it. This is for the manual shift. So there are your three options right there. Plus or minus hundred grand for any of those three cars, this or that or that. All right, I'll go first. So I'm okay. in control of the pictures here. <laughs> this Ferrari, it looks like a freaking newt on amphibian <laughs> newt thing. The front end, oh. I love the car, but that front end just, I can't get over that face, what? man. Can it, you it's shut the ugliest face. Can you that shut is ugly. Him I just, I just hate the face of that car that the, the uh, little skimpy headlights. It's like a nine. It's like a, I don't know. It's, it's like a nine, nine, six headlights or something. It's got those giant scoops. Or I just don't I love it. needs a revised front end, but I would take, I, I do like the technology, the NSX for what it was, but in today's value car, the Porsche all day long. I mean, it, to oh. me, it's a, I take the Porsche all day long. How about that? Okay, I and, thought you and, were go going over to the to the to the to the Asian choice. Okay, no, I, I do like the NSX, but no, I mean, the Porsche is it right now, and they have been. They're on a roll. They'll continue to be on a roll. They're making the e fuel, but the last of the year cool. This car is going to do nothing but go up in value, and I'd love driving it. I would love having it. Um, you know, I already, I'll leave the Gucci loafers and the gold necklace at home and I'll button my shirt oh, and leave the F360 out. I'm um, over here but... cutting, bleeding. Don't keep <laughs> hacking at me. Wow. So I'm going all day long with the Porsche. Okay. Okay. All right, Steve-O. I actually going... get on that car, but I obviously did not get it. <laughs> all right, go for it. I am going Acura NSX and, um, I, I have... Uh, it's one of, one of my funniest uh, automotive journalist stories. Uh, I got a press car. It would have been the Gen 2 NSX, which was with the exposed headlights. It was like 05-ish when it came out. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they dropped off the car, uh, you know, a company brings the car. It's not Acura. There's companies that, that manage the press fleet. So when they dropped the car off, it was unforgettably yellow on yellow. Oh, oh, yellow, yellow. classic press one, car. One of one for a reason. Yeah. So forget about. I mean, I had the Gucci, lo Gucci loafers and the the uh, the unbuttoned shirt. Yellow on yellow was just unbelievable, and um, it was a pre-production car that um, that Acura. You know, they put these pre-production. I've driven a lot of pre-production cars, and they they put them in the press fleet, and then they crush them. So the guy dropped us off. That's what they do. They put them in the press fleet and then they crush them. They're not allowed to um, to register these cars, not allowed to title. So uh, there's a lot of these. When a car first comes out, um, that, that's out. yellow on yellow. Yeah. 
They actually, I saw one for sale on Picar Market. I thought mine was just a one-off, but it wasn't. Uh, anyway, that's the car I drove, exactly. And it was a six-speed. And the guy who dropped it off said, hey, you know, you should know this car is going to be crushed. You're the last driver. So I ragged the shit out of you it. You can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> he said, just don't, don't crash it. He said, but, you know, revving and all that stuff. Don't worry about it. You're, you're, you're the last person scheduled in this car. Once you pick it up, it goes back to Honda. They're going to crush it. So I drove uh, with my son, Patrick, uh, to and from Sun Valley. And uh, I never asked Patrick if he remembered the drive uh, because I didn't want to bring it up because I took it at least to 140 on one of the straights. I was driving really fast, could easily have gotten my license revoked if I got a ticket, <laughs> but I wasn't caught, did not get us, didn't get pulled over. Everything was fine. Um, and, I, and Patrick was young. Uh, he was uh, 95 you would have been 12. unlike unlike the road trip we took where you did get a speeding ticket i got it i got a well-deserved speeding ticket that time but um well, justice was not served because stefan deserved too so i i never forgot that acura because the, that car had a v6 it was did not have a ton of power it was mid-engine the handling was perfect the, the transmission i've talked about the s2000 transmission uh, this is probably a relatively related transmission. Wonderful to shift. Clutch engine uh, transmission connection was, in my mind, perfect. So there you go. That's my choice. I think that's a good pick. And, of course, you know, it's unbelievable. You found a photo of a yellow interior car. You can sort of see the headrester yellow. But but I would imagine probably the door the the door pulls inside, the dashboard, the console, the, probably the carpet was black. No, right, it was yellow all over. There oh it is. my word! It's, look it's at yellow that. all over. It's That's just incredible. If if you look up this, I think what happened is Stefan went to the dictionary, looked up tasteless, and this comes up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, sort of the bumblebee package going on inside. That's incredible. All right, you know, Adams, what about a... you, man? What's your choice? Well, you know. I... I actually I was I was leaning toward toward one that our, our first commenter um, uh, ended up choosing, but now just just to be the antagonist, you know, given given these three choices, and you so look, you, so, you, so I made you relook at that front end again from a different perspective. And you yeah, looked you at made, that front end and you're no, like, he was going to choose the Porsche, uh, Stefan. Oh, I, I was going to choose the Porsche, but yeah. now my alliance has switched back over <laughs> no. to, uh, to, to the car that was so horribly abused. So, so you, you look at the Ferrari and you, and you, you look and say, okay, well, I've got this six figure allowance. I'm going to get the car. I'm going to get the car that stirs my soul, that that is sort of like a kid dream car come true. And I think to a lot of people, that would have to be the Ferrari. And that may not be its most flattering angle with that front end. I just almost can't look now. But uh, a 430 has a slightly different shape. And those are a six-speed 430 would be considerably more than this car. But you can get an F1. So, Stefan, you may want to look. You get an F1 transmission and a 430. Uh, anyway. That's a 400 horsepower mid-engine V8, and it does have a lot of power. That's over 100 horsepower more than the NSX that 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 Steve was talking about. Yeah, um, and you, that's the first kind of if you want to put quotes around the word modern Ferrari. You do not have to take the motor out to do the belt service. You can do it right there in situ, as they call it. It has operable AC. 
Uh, it's terrible that they have sticky buttons, which have to be unstickied. I don't know why Ferrari did that, but Porsche did it too for a brief period. Um, anyway, I would have to go with that. The clack clack of the gated shifter, uh, the mid-mounted V8, usable luggage space, serviceability, and heck, it's a Ferrari. If, if mine came with the prancing horse side scuderia badges, I would take those off the first day. I can't stand those things. I mean, to me, it's like that, that stupid uh, polo shirt they used to have where the polo horse <laughs> is about a foot tall. Yeah. You can't have that option, but I do love that car. Make mine a uh, Tour de France blue, oh, tan and black Daytona interior, and I'm done for. You don't want a yellow interior? I'm, I'm going to pass on the yellow <laughs> interior, but thank you. You, you mean this interior? Yeah. <laughs> the DeWalt interior. <laughs> so there you go. All Three right. Minutes. That was great. We're out of time. That was fantastic. Uh, so um, thanks. And just want to close this out. And we're done. Hey, Before listeners! You close us out, I, yep. I want listeners. You weigh in. You tell us which of us is right. Yeah, this, this, or that, or that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. So, uh, listeners, thanks once again for tuning in. Tell all your friends. Spread the word. Like, listen, subscribe. Leave comments. Leave ideas, and uh, we'll see you next week.